Welcome to the You Can Tell the Children podcast, a place where sharing God's word with the next generation in your circle of influence can be simple, easy, and fun. We know that intentionally teaching children about God and the relevancy of His word will be a game changer in their homes, schools, and communities. This podcast is a ministry of Bible to School, the experts in engaging children with the Word of God. Together, we will make sure you can tell the children about the love of Jesus. Ready, set, let's go. Well, hey, friends, welcome back to the You Can Tell the Children podcast. I'm your host today, Lee Neenheis, and this is episode 48. It's so much fun to have summer here upon us. I don't know about you, but summer's a time when I like to kick up my feet and pray about our priorities as a family. I like to take a step back and ask the question, Lord, show me your heart. Make your priorities for our family mine. Summer's a time when we try new things and learn and fortify the faith walks of the children in our lives that God's given us to disciple and walk alongside. I know you're going to love today's conversation with my friend, David Mowell. We're going to be discussing the power of song in the lives of children and what happens when you pair a melody with scripture. Maybe this summer you'll be teaching big ideas about God as you sing together. Or maybe this will flip your paradigm about singing during the programs you lead and attend. Either way, we're so excited to hear how you are putting these podcasts into practice. As a matter of fact, we'd love to hear and see all that you're doing. We are really easy to connect with. You can find us all over the web at Bible to School. Bible, the number two, school. We're on Facebook and Instagram, and our website is Bible2School.com. Our website's full of fun ideas for guiding the kids in your life to Jesus. It's also a place you can find show notes and answers to the questions you might have about Bible to School. We can't wait to hear from you. Now, Let's jump into our interview with David Mowell. Well, David, welcome to the You Can Tell the Children podcast. Hi. It's so good to have you here, friend. We are friends in real life. Yes. And I know you really well, but would you introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah. My name is David Mowell. I am the associate pastor of worship where Lee and I both go to church, and I'm also currently the director of choirs at the local school. David, that's so fun. I've known you since you were a child and you have always been musical. But would you tell us about the love that God's given you for music and when you remember that starting? I think that I've always really enjoyed music. I remember it being a big part of growing up. My mom used to take us to go sing at the local medical care when we were kids and we were homeschooled. So we would sing a lot. I remember her sitting at the piano and kind of plunking out hymns for us to sing when we were little. She wasn't a terrific pianist by any stretch of the measure, but I remember singing together at a very young age. Then my older siblings all had to take piano lessons when they're starting when they were about eight. And we all had to do some sort of music when we were homeschooled all the way through middle school. And then we could choose if we want to keep going. And so they all kind of had to be forced to start and I got to see them do it. And I was really excited and always wanted to. So definitely like very young, loved doing music and wanted, had a desire for it. So what did that look like growing up, like elementary school, middle school, high school, and then into college? I mean, formally started with piano lessons, but I remember doing stuff at church before that. We had like a fantastic children's choir director who unfortunately passed away when I was young, 
But she did children's choir with us. We'd go every Sunday night for an hour before church and we would sing. Love that. Started piano lessons, did that all the way through middle school. When I was in, uh, when I was quite young, I remember going, because, you know, everything's kind of interwoven in the arts and in my life. But I remember going to watch my cousin in a school musical when I was probably in elementary school. And I knew that I really wanted to do musicals. That was like a thing. So when I got old enough, I started participating in summer theater, which was all non-musical stuff at that point. But then sort of that goal in my mind of, okay, in high school, I want to be part of musical theater. And so through that, I was able to get connected with some people and ended up taking voice lessons with a professor at Michigan State University when I was in high school. And then that led to a scholarship. And then I ended up going to state for vocal performance, which then turned into music education. And then I ended up back here. So it's just kind of interesting. I have a lot of different kind of bunny trails of music throughout my life of different ways that I've been involved in it. But yeah, it's been really fun. Well, David, there's the secular side of things, which is that music is universal. People in every culture have some kind of music that they enjoy. I actually told you this not so long ago. I was at a baseball game and on the Jumbotron, they had 10 baseball players and they asked them the question, would you rather get rid of movies or music? And nine out of 10 Major League Baseball players said, we would rather get rid of movies than music. And I was flabbergasted. Mm. What do you think that even means about music in the lives of people? Yeah, I think that it, I mean, everything comes back to Jesus. I think that part of it is, the big part of it is that we're created to sing. It is woven into the fabric of who we are. We all have the mechanism to do it. Keith and Kristen Getty talk about created, commanded, compelled to sing. And so, I mean, God's created us to sing. Even if you think about the most basic thing about us, which is our heartbeat, that is musical. And our mood and our environment affects how fast and how slow our heart beats. And so when we listen to music, it is affecting our emotions, our, our physiology. Well, we are actually commanded to sing praises to the Lord. Yep. But that doesn't always feel like a natural thing, but this has biological reasons to sing, right? Like there are reasons in our human anatomy that. Yeah, you actually, it's interesting. And I like, this is not the side of music that I've spent the most time studying, but there are studies that talk about, you know, like what happens to your brain, particularly when we sing together in chorus, like when you sing with other people, it increases whatever the chemical is that is like the, the bonding chemical with other people. So like when you sing with people, it's really hard to hate them which is fascinating to me, especially when you talk about singing in like a church culture. Or a public school or a scenario, public school, which is yeah. what we're talking about today. Yeah, which is, you know, I think that's why you tend to find a lot of kids that are searching for a community, searching for acceptance, coming into things like band and choir, because those are the places where you're you're bonding together, you know, over something. Um, and it's hard not to like the people that you're doing it with. I love that so much. So it's not only like biologically a good idea. I mean, like God created us to do this, but in the narrative of scripture, singing is found throughout. Can you talk to us about that? Yeah. Singing and scripture. One of the things that really stands out to me is that God sings. There are several points in the Old Testament that talk about that. Jesus sings. You know, that's like the last thing that he does before he goes to the garden is to sing a hymn with his followers. And Jesus references the Psalms all the time in his teachings and the Psalms are songs. How incredible it is that he you know, gave that 
archetype to us or that that example to us. But then also, I think you think I love reading like Christian literature and novels like Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. And I just recently finished the Wingfeather Saga by Andrew Peterson. Yep. All three of those writers talk about in their universes, they talk about the God figure creating through song. And I think that you can imply that through scripture that, you know, I mean, God spoke things into being. So if we think about the narrative of scripture being this song that God created us in song and that we worship, like creation has worshiped him either poorly or well through song throughout the ages. And we're all sort of practicing for revelation. We're all around the throne. That's powerful. Okay, so biblically, we know that God sings. We know we're supposed to sing, but it doesn't necessarily come natural to Mm -hmm. sing. I mean, I think like you don't have to be necessarily taught to be shy to sing. Mm -hmm. Would you agree or disagree? I think that kids tend to be like when we're born, we don't really have any sort of predisposition I don't think, to being shy about singing. I mean, you turn on music, kids are, you know, banging the nearest thing next to them, keep beat. They're making the best musical sound they can. Sometimes it's just like excited babble, but there's no shyness there. I mean, kids want to move to music when they're babies. And I so I think the shyness really just comes as we develop and as our environment sort of shapes who we are, that that's where the shyness comes in. So, David, not only is it biblical for us to sing, but it actually is really practical for the communication of biblical truth to other people, but also for lots of other purposes, like memorization. Yep. I remember, like, growing up, going to camp, you know, and you have, like, these silly songs that you learn. And one that really sticks out to me is we used to sing, like, Romans 16, 19 says, Romans, you know, and then you sing the whole thing. And... I could go on and sing the whole thing. If if you said, hey, what's Romans 16, 19? I'm terrible with references. I mean, I grew up doing Awana. You start a verse from Awana, I can finish it. I cannot tell you the reference. It is not my forte. But I think the singing part is super duper helpful. We, you know, we, we latch on to melodies so well. And if you compare a melody with scripture, you're not going to forget that. And I think that that is super powerful. So our friends that are listening, many of them already are working with Bible to school programs where they take kids out of public school for an hour. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if you could make a case why it's a good idea to sing with them during that hour. Yeah, I don't think that they're going to forget what you sing with them. Like, I think if we think about our own experience, like maybe on a Sunday morning going to church, I could not tell you. I mean, I could give you some key points maybe from sermon series over the last year in our church or like the general gist of what we've talked about. But a lot of times what we talk about gets forgotten. But that pairing of melody with truth is so potent that it's hard to forget that. And so even if kids aren't paying attention and not participating, you can't not get that stuck in your head. (laughs) And we're told that scripture never returns void, right? So if scripture gets stuck in your head, it's going to continue to eat at you and you're going to gnaw on it in your mind. I mean, all of us are sick and tired of hearing about Bruno. All of us are sick and tired of Baby Shark, but it keeps running through our head because it's a good melody. And so even though those songs aren't conveying any biblical truth, like they get stuck in our head. So if we can get great tunes that convey scripture, kids aren't going to lose that easily. Okay, so let's talk to the reluctant leader who is like, I'm not a very good singer. What (laughs) would you say to him or her? Okay, that doesn't matter. 
because, and I mean, it wouldn't matter anyway, but one of the big blessings of living in our day and age is that we do have a lot of resources available to us at our fingertips from people who are very confident at doing this, people who have studied this, come up with helpful tools. I think the biggest thing for a leader is like, even if you yourself don't feel like you have the most beautiful voice or anything, that you're excited to do it. I mean, you can totally just turn on YouTube and sing along with YouTube. Let YouTube carry the weight of sounding pretty and you just be excited to sing with the kids. Oh, that's not a bad idea. But what if I truly can't carry a tune? If you truly can't carry a tune, I don't think that that would stop that, you know? Doesn't um, let me off the hook. It doesn't. No, it doesn't. I mean, like back to the commanded thing, we are commanded to sing. But I think more importantly in my life has been the compelled to sing part. Like, as I get to know who Jesus is, as I get to know God more, it makes me want to praise him more. Some of the people in our church who I look to and just give me the most joy in a worship service are the people that like don't sing the most beautifully. And you look over and they're clapping off beat and it's, you know, it's a hot mess and it's, it's a beautiful. So I don't think it really matters if you can sing or not. I mean, like I said, there's, there are tons and tons of resources that can help the kids sing on tune. You know, we're just called to be faithful, you know, not to be fabulous. Well, that will preach. Faithful, (laughs) not fabulous. Let's pause right now and take a question from one of our Bible to School kids. Where is the Garden of Eden? The only mention of the clues to the Garden of Eden's location in the Bible is the names of the four rivers that flowed out of it. Of the four, there are two rivers in modern-day Iraq that carry the same names the Tigris and Euphrates rivers. However, when we take the flood into consideration, we recognize that the paths of the original rivers from the garden may have changed, and the garden was likely wiped out completely. No one really knows the exact location of the Garden of Eden, but it must have been beautiful. I think it's just a huge opportunity to hit all different learning styles Mm -hmm. too. You already know that I have a daughter with special needs Mm -hmm. and I thought this kid is never going to be able to memorize the books of the Bible, which was a part of our Awana program at church. You know, Mm -hmm. they, they memorize all the books of the Bible in order. And I was like, week after week, we are not going to get this done. And then all of a sudden we popped in a CD with a song with the books of the Bible in it, and she could sing them, but she couldn't necessarily tell them to you without the song. And actually, have you ever tried to do that with the alphabet? I mean, like a lot of people sing the alphabet to figure out what alphabetical order is. It's just like it connects to a different part of Mm -hmm. us, not just in learning, but I, I think it connects to our soul in a different way too. Yeah, so I think that, One of the very helpful things about different learning styles in music is that music tends to be very kinesthetic in that typically when we interact with music, our bodies tell us to start moving. So there might be select scenarios where like if you go to like a really prim proper, you know, choir concert or something, there might be scenarios where there's, you know, more stillness, but you're hard pressed to go to a choir concert and not even during the most somber, you know, whatever song, see them not swaying or moving. I mean, our bodies want to mirror what's going on. And so when you have students that struggle in different areas or have you know, different disabilities or other abilities, 
that's a way that they can connect with the music, even if they aren't successful in the producing of sound or the memorizing of things. I mean, it hits all different levels. Mm, I love that so much. As my worship pastor, you know, I find it very hard to sit, stand still while music is playing. It's like your foot taps, Mm -hmm. whatever. And it's a good excuse for kids to be not rowdy, but Mm -hmm. get that out of their system in a way that's productive, too. So you've taught choir in our local public schools and engaged with all kinds of kids. I'm wondering what you have found effective in reaching kids who don't know the gospel, who've never heard the truth about Jesus in just a secular way, music has connected you. Yeah, that is actually a really interesting topic because, you know, it's it is not kosher in public schools, you know, to talk about faith. In some places, it's illegal to talk about your faith without being asked. What's fun about singing is that, especially in a Western culture, almost all of our classical literature is based on the music of the church. I mean, without the church, we would not have Western music. That's a fact. So if you inquire, we can sing all sorts of literature because it's classical, because it's foundational to how we do music, and it's going to have a biblical flavor. And one of my favorite times to do this is during Christmas, because so many Christmas hymns and Christmas carols are super rich with the gospel. I had a student ask the question this last Christmas, wait, uh, isn't, wasn't Jesus Jewish? Like. <laughs> Wondering why he was in like Christmas music. It was a fascinating question. And so we literally spent like 30 minutes unpacking the gospel because they asked and because it was relevant to a song that we were singing. So that's one of my favorite moments is when a, a student asks a question about the lyrics that we're singing that I don't bring up, that they're just probing. So I know that there are ways that you can pave the way for singing And because my kids have had you as a choir teacher and a worship pastor, I know that in choir, you sing the name of a student while you're taking attendance. Yeah, we do all sorts of like silly things. Okay, I would say my first year teaching, one thing that I learned is like not to push too hard. It's not like teaching another subject where it's like, okay, you got to sit down and do this problem. Like telling kids like, you got to sing right now. I mean, that's, that's not helpful. And like, you know, you kind of learn to do things that will help kids open up to want to sing. And I think a lot of that just starts with the one-on-one personal connection. Like they need to know that they can trust you because singing is a very vulnerable thing, especially in our culture in this day and age. We're not raised singing, most of us. And so to open your mouth and do something that's not talking is is pretty vulnerable. And so, yeah, we do fun things like there have been a lot of years where I'll take the kid's name and then I'll alter a song and I'll put their name in a song and it'll be funny. Like if I had a you know, kid in class named Juno, then we'd sing, you know, when I take attendance, I'd say, we don't talk about Juno, no, you know, and then they'd, (laughs) oh, here, you know, and so every kid's got their little song and just fun, silly stuff like that. Or like a lot of times, if, if I do have something in class that I need to communicate, that's like corrective in nature, a lot of times I'll sing it first, you know, like maybe we shouldn't do that right now, you know, kind of like just (laughs) making it fun so that they realize that I'm talking to them, but it's not like, you know, punitive or anything like that. Well, I think that's really fun. So it is unusual in our culture to find men who are like, you know what? I love to sing. Mm -hmm. I mean, we find closet singers, you know, Mm -hmm. like 
at the stoplights next to us. Mm-hmm. We see men singing and that kind of thing. But it's, it really is unusual. You know, the girls in the classes are usually like the ones who seem to be the ones who want to mm-hmm. sing. But how do we normalize singing for boys? The men have to sing. They have to. You know, if, you, if you're a guy who loves Jesus and you want to see the next generation love Jesus, you got to sing. Part of that just comes down to conviction of like the Holy Spirit saying like, okay, I'm going to do it. I don't think that it's a mistake that we have simultaneously met like boys in our culture who are reticent to sing and feel like it's effeminate. And then we also have this like huge attack on what it means to be a man and be a woman. And I don't know if we want to get into that discussion here, but like it is not an accident that Satan tries to get men to not sing. Mm. Because when men sing, powerful things happen. Mm. And he knows that. Mm. So it is a battle. And there's a lot of different facets to it. But I think that that's the core of it. Like, we are gearing up to worship in heaven. And that charge is, you know, God God calls men to be the leaders in their family. And that includes singing. It's interesting. Keith and Kristen Getty will often talk about how, like, in, in Puritan culture a lot of like there are some churches that like you couldn't participate in communion as a man if you hadn't led your family in singing and i don't know if that was like true across the board for all churches but like that was a thing at in some churches like that it was that serious for them and so yeah i think that like if we want to see the culture change like boys follow men and so if you want boys to sing then men have to sing Mm, I love that. It's one of the things I love that's happening in our church. But I also love that it's one of the things that you are modeling for my children is we sing. Like Mm -hmm. we're men and we sing, Mm -hmm. which is really, really fun. And can I pause you? Yeah. Okay. Just bunny trail. Like this is a super practical thing because if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably like, okay, how do I do this better? Or how do I even do this? You need to pick things that are going to be accessible for the boys in your group. Like, especially if you're working with the middle school boys, they're going through voice change. They have a limited range. If they feel like they sound foolish when they open their mouth, they're not going to want to sing. And I think that that's one of the mistakes that we've made in church music, too. And why men don't like to sing is because we have these songs that we either put in the wrong key or the range of the song is super duper wide. And it's, you know, they can't, they're not successful. Or it's like, You know, you have a a woman leading who has a really high voice and they don't know how to match that or anything like that. So when you're picking songs, try to pick songs that don't go too high and don't go too low so that your boys can sing them. So give us some more fun ideas. It's summertime. It's a great time to sing with the kids in our lives, but we probably need some resources to do that. So what resources would you recommend? Okay, so if we're talking about, you know, singing scripture specifically, because that's going to be the most helpful for kids down the road. There are lots of great groups that have scripture set to music. The first one that comes to mind is Seeds Family Worship. That's basically all they do. They take scripture, they set it to music, and a lot of times it's very catchy. We do, like every year at VBS, like there's typically a Seeds song in there. We have one this year, and they're just fun, but it's straight scripture. Yeah, we've listened to Seeds, and I don't turn it off in the car. It doesn't drive me Mm -hmm. crazy, which is a key to kids' songs, right? Yep. And some people like um, Slugs and Bugs. That's another great one. They do a lot of scripture. There's a really fun, I guess it's a group. um, It'd be Rain for Roots. Um, You can find them on Spotify. And they've got a lot of fun stuff. A lot of it is scripture. Some of it's not, but a lot of it is uh, scripture set to song. And that one tends to be, like, I have a hard time if it's not singable or if it's not fun for kids. Like, 
yeah, this is scripture, but I don't want to sing this, you know. And they have a lot of fun melodies. Like the melody is is a good thing. Sovereign Grace Kids has great songs. They're not necessarily scripture, all of them, but they're all super doctrinal, like have a lot of a lot of good biblical truth packed in them. Oh, like the Gettys have a kids family hymnal that just came out this last year. That's great. Hillsong Kids has some wonderful songs. So there's kind of different flavors, like some there's a big difference in my mind, I think, between songs that are made for kids to consume and songs that are made for kids to replicate. So like songs for listening and songs for worship. And so, you know, you think talk about Seeds Family Worship. I mean, it's right in the title. That's their goal. Their intended purpose is that kids are going to sing the scriptures, not that kids are going to listen to the scriptures. We kind of do that on Sunday mornings, too. Like there are a lot of songs that are on the radio that might be great to listen to, but they're not necessarily songs that are accessible for people to sing or maybe not a worship setting song. Totally. You know, so like we enjoy those songs, but we're not necessarily going to teach them on a Sunday morning. And the same is true, I think, with kids, especially when you're talking about kids in a public school where you're trying to get the most bang for your buck. There might be songs that are fun to listen to and catchy, but like we want the catchiness to be a vehicle for something greater. And if it's just catchy, that's not what we're after. And those catchy songs also tend to be the hardest to sing for kids, even though they're fun. And so, like, if we can steer towards things that are developed for kids to sing, that's going to be most helpful. You know, one of the things that I love that you've done for us at our church is create a Spotify list Mm -hmm. that everybody can access online and play in their homes. And you're introducing a song of the month for us. And as a family, we're kind of listening to it. We're singing it once, once a week each month. And then we have 12 songs at the end of the year that Mm -hmm. we all know. And they're really rich songs. I am just really impressed with the amount of truth that we can pack into a song Mm -hmm. that they're reflecting on through the week versus just one lesson and they're done. This is a song we're playing over and over Mm -hmm. again. They're rehearsing the truth about God. Yes. And I think too, you know, there are songs that I learned as a kid you know, we we grew up singing from the hymnal. Um, we sing a lot of hymns now, but we have like a worship band model now. But there are songs that I learned growing up that like I could sing them as a kid and I understood the basic truth like, hey, Jesus died for my sins or something. But then now as an older person, as an older person, as an adult, singing those songs, there's a lot of richness there that I didn't know and they continue to be unpacked in my life. And like, You know, so one example I think would be uh, when I was in college, there was a period of time during my sophomore year where I was way over, like way over my head and having panic attacks and just it was difficult. And the song Because He Lives by the Gaithers just like popped in my head one day. And it was like every day I would sing that over and over on my way to class, like back and forth. It just it was in my head. And like the biggest part of that song for me in that point in my life was the chorus, you know, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. But then it's just been interesting that that song, which is a modern hymn, like the there's a verse about holding your child, you know, and like I never got that song until two years ago when we had Elliot. And so good songs will continue to unpack over time. Mm, I think that's so rich. I want to sing a song. Should we sing Luya? Oh, sing hallelujah, our hope springs eternal. Oh, 
will sing hallelujah now and ever we confess christ our hope in life and death david it was so fun to have you with us today you taught us and encouraged me and i'm sure our friends so much that sweet little voice was david's not quite two-year-old son who joined us for a little worship As we wrap up today, would you pray, David, for our friends who are listening? God, we praise you because you are worth worshiping. And we confess that you have created us to sing, that you've commanded us to sing. It's one of the most frequent commands in the Bible, but also that you've compelled us to sing because of your goodness, because of the testimony of your gospel in Jesus Christ. We pray for these friends as they work day in and day out with students, as they desire to sing rich songs with students that are going to stick with them for a lifetime and teach them biblical truth. We pray that you would strengthen them by your spirit, that you would encourage them through the words that we've spoken today, that you would uh, lead them to great materials that they can use, but most of all, that their life would be a living example for these students, that the joy of the Lord would bubble out of them in what they say and do and preach and sing. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, what a gift to learn from David today. I'm so grateful for the reminder of how important singing God's truth is in our lives and in kids' lives. In fact, today I'm reminded that singing truths about Jesus is another rich way to teach kids about Jesus. In fact, today I'm reminded that singing truths about Jesus is another rich way to teach kids about God. And you don't even have to be a good singer. Faithful? not fabulous. Hallelujah. It was a gift to be together today, friends, and we're praying for you as you engage the kids in your life and pray about how to reach them with the gospel. We'd love to hear from you, and you can connect with our team quickly on our website at Bible2School.com. That's Bible, the number two, school.com. We're getting ready to take a two-week break here on the podcast, but we're looking forward to getting back together in two weeks and celebrating our 50th episode with you. Be sure today that you're subscribed to the podcast so you won't miss an episode. Until then, we'll be singing and cheering you on as you tell the children in your life about Jesus. See you next time.